Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sex, Love, and Psych. I know I'm a day later than usual, but I am just getting back in the groove of doing this every single week and I've been super busy with work and being burnt out and sleeping for 12 hours the other night. (laughs) Um, So yeah, thank you for tuning in again this week. I did a little poll on my Sex Love Psych behind the scenes Facebook group of some of my friends and family that I know listen and give me the most feedback. Um, as to what kind of topics I kind of want to hear about. Hopefully you want to hear about them as well. Uh, Just another little announcement. I do have a website, TikTok, and Instagram going now. So the Instagram is sex, love, and psych, all one word. So S-E-X-L-O-V-E-A-N-D-P-S-Y-C-H. And if you even just go to that Instagram, you will find links to my website that has a lot more material on it, as well as my TikTok in the link tree. So just wanted to make sure everybody who might not have seen any of that know that. And there's also a giveaway on my Instagram, so go check that out. Once I hit 100 follows on Instagram and TikTok, I'll be doing a bit of a giveaway. I will be giving away a copy of Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, which I will be referencing in some future episodes, so make sure you tune into that. Uh, But without further ado, to hop into today's topic, the topmost thing that my behind-the-scenes group said that they want to hear is more about uh, recognizing unhealthy relationship patterns. That was the number one that was on the poll, so I thought I would get into that this week. Um, So recognizing some early signs of abuse or like unhealthy relationship patterns can be really, really tough, and it is a really kind of underestimated tough thing to do especially when people are looking from the outside in. They look back, they can see all of the, all of the toxicity and be like, well, why, why did you stay? You're at this point. You're being abused. You're all alone. Why did you stay? This person is awful. So today's episode, I kind of wanted to get into how to recognize some of those early stages. In uh, first of all, I wanted to do a little bit of a review on gaslighting, which was way back in episode 7. Uh, if you want to do a deeper review of gaslighting, just head back to episode 7 and come on back when you're done. Uh, but essentially, gaslighting is manipulating a person into doubting their own sanity, reality, memory, or perceptions. So this is a lot of the... well. I never said that. Like, you're sounding crazy. No, I didn't do that. How could you ever think that I would do that? I love you. That's what a lot of, like, the gaslighting looks like. 
Again, there's deeper uh, examples in episode seven there. So the next kind of thing I want to jump into is love bombing. So love bombing can be a little bit more difficult to recognize as something that's actually can turn into an abusive pattern because it looks like love and passion and this world whirlwind romance and it looks like everything that we see in fairy tales but it can actually really turn into a toxic abusive cycle so what love bo- love bombing is is a flooding of affection often right in the beginning of a relationship or after big fights and arguments It's like that outpour of gifts and affection and compliments or being told, I love you super quickly. You're like, why don't you move in with me? Oh my God, we're soulmates. We're twin flames. Right off the bat, that's a red flag. If somebody doesn't know you well enough to like know your middle name, let's say, you've only been on two dates with this person, how are they supposed to know that you're soulmates? They can be really, really interested in you. But how do they know you well enough to claim they love you or they are in love with you or that you're meant to be together forever? So that flooding of gifts and affection and compliments that like really hits your dopamine and hits your serotonin, but also in the background kind of makes you feel a little bit uneasy. Like, do I deserve this? Or do these compliments even apply to me? Like... If they say, oh my god, you're, like, so intelligent, your your grades are amazing, and, like, let's say you're a very average student, like, getting pumped up on things that you don't even excel at can be part of love bonding, because they just are flooding you with all of these compliments. How good it feels and how overwhelmed with their love you might feel can really, really distract from the toxicity of this behavior. And it's used to kind of pull someone in, pull you in really quickly, get you invested to a point you're depending on them and their compliments for that little boost, for your self-confidence. How did you ever feel confident in yourself before you had them telling you that your blue eyes are like the ocean? Like how, how did you ever feel like you were a beautiful person before them? That kind of a thing. Uh, As I said, it can feel kind of like a whirlwind romance, and that can completely distract from the fact that it's, um, like, your alarms are going off in your head. It can also distract from other toxic behavioral patterns, like gaslighting. If someone's telling you that you're crazy when you call them out in an argument, or when you, like, kind of bring up a conversation about something they said that was kind of wrong or fucked up about you or your friends or something. If they answer that with, oh my god, I love you. I'm so sorry. I'm the worst person ever. Oh my god, you're a goddess. I don't know how I could ever say that to you. That's love bombing and that's just distracting you from that shit that they said without actually genuinely changing that behavior or apologizing. Um... Love bombing can also be used against you in a fight or an argument. Let's say, again, they stand you up for a date or they you have plans together and they pull out last second. And then later you're like, hey, that actually, that actually really bothered me when you did this. 
And then they go, well, I got you last date we went on, I got you flowers and I paid for the meal. And do you remember how I told you I be- how beautiful I told you you looked in that dress? I did all of these things for you. Look at all of these examples of me being absolutely in love with you. And you're going to focus on the fact that I stood you up? So that's a little of like the love bombing mixed in with the gaslighting where they're pouring out all of this supposed love onto you, but also doing it in a way that makes you question your own sanity where you go, oh, oh yeah, I, I don't know why I made this actually such a big deal. You did do all of those wonderful things to me. Like that's, it's my fault for getting so angry when you stood me up or you didn't come to the family barbecue. Um, love bombing for me, personally, it's it's a tricky one for me to not get too far into because I just tend to want to go above and beyond for people. Um, when I first meet them, if I'm like feeling good vibes, I just want to like woo them. I want to give them a gift basket of things that make me think of them. I want to sit, compliment them endlessly. Um, and those are, those are positive things, but sometimes I, I've recognized that I need to reel it back a little bit because I would never use any of that against someone in an argument. I wouldn't pull the, oh, but I gave you all of these things or, oh, but I love you so much to invalidate their experience and emotions, but they don't know that. And I wouldn't like I would never use my love for someone to pull them away from their friends. Or like I would I say I never would, but I would never intentionally do these things. Sometimes it happens. We are all toxic sometimes. But in the earlier early phases of a relationship, how is that person supposed to know that my intentions are really, really good? I need to prove it over time and maybe I can get them flowers or something, but I need to prove it over time that I'm going to be consistently that person. Also, if you love bomb someone in the beginning, that is so much work to keep up with and they're going to resent you for not keeping it up. Um, So that is definitely something that I have learned that I need to recognize in my own behavior. Um, Because yeah, they, they don't know my intentions. They don't know where I'm at. Maybe I've just caught myself up in this whirlwind romance and I'm ignoring some red flags too. So this is just a reminder for all of us to kind of like cool it in the beginning. Don't be ice cold. Compliment them. Bring them gifts. Whatever it is. Spend time with them. But make sure you're doing it at an appropriate level for if you just met someone or whatever. And As I said before, this is pretty popular in the beginning of a relationship. We see it all the time on social media and like TikTok and U-hauling lesbians or whatever. Um, But as I mentioned, it is also really popular after a fight or after an abusive episode or act. So think in like a more extreme case, someone hits you, they get in a fight, your partner hits you. The next day, they make a big bouquet of roses or your favorite flower shows up. Or they make the, and or they make this big, sappy social media post that looks amazing and like it's all about how much they love you and appreciate having you in their life. Um, and it does make you feel good for a split second, but it also 
leaves you feeling guilty for being mad at them for hitting you. Because, oh, maybe it was just a lapse in judgment. I aggravated them. Like, it's my fault that they, I got them so angry that they hit me. It was clearly just a one-time thing because look at these beautiful flowers. Look at this public post of them telling everyone how much they love me. I must be the one who's wrong here. And it kind of makes you feel that uneasy feeling, but also like you should be recognizing the good things that you're doing for them or they're doing for you. Sorry. And another one I kind of want to talk about is like control and isolation. So this super, super common tool for abusers and narcissists to use against other people in their life where, and it, like, it's kind of one that feels way more obvious from the outside looking in, and especially by the time it gets really, really deep into it, um, essentially by the time it's too late, but it generally starts off super, super subtly. It can be, it can start out with them making little comments about what you wear or something they dislike about your friends. And it's not usually some big comment or like, I hate the way you dress, dress this way. I hate your friends. Don't hang out with them. That's never how it starts because that would set off a huge red flag in us. And we'd go, wait, what the fuck? Like, no, I'm not going to let this person control me or isolate me. No, it starts out a lot smaller. It can start out with you're wearing an outfit, like a little black dress, say. You're going out with the girls, you're wearing a little black dress. And they just say something like, oh, that's a little revealing, isn't it? Or, ooh, who are you going out to see tonight? It's not me, I'm not going. Little tiny comments. Or when it comes to your friends, oh, I can't believe you hang out with such obnoxious people. I'm so glad you're not like so-and-so. She's so loud. That doesn't feel like, hey, I hate your friends, don't hang out with them. It's It sounds like just kind of an offhand comment about being like, man, I'm so glad you're not like that person. These kind of phrases work to plant seeds in your brain that with repetition and a slow buildup um, makes you start believing those things. Maybe makes you start wearing different clothes, makes you think twice the next time you are getting ready to go out. Oh, he, he did say this was a re- little bit revealing last time maybe I should wear something else. Or, oh, yeah, I I don't want to try and look like I'm impressing anybody at the bar, so maybe I'll just wear jeans. I'll just wear jeans and a nice kind of top instead of, like, that little black dress that makes you feel like a baddie. Um, it also, like, those little comments about your friends, oh, so glad I don't have to see her ever again. Like, she's so loud. Um... That kind of triggers that down your brain. Like, are, are my friends that loud? Yeah, my friends are pretty loud. Mm, yeah, that's true. I love them, but, like, they are pretty loud. They're not for everybody. That will slowly make you spend less, less time with those people because now you're just thinking about those negative traits about being loud. And with, like, being loud specifically, it also triggers in your brain that thought process of, oh, am I... Am I being too loud? Oh, well, I don't I don't want them to think that I'm like that friend. So maybe I need to be quieter. I need to be smaller. I need to not dance. I need to not go out or drink so much. Or I need to not do this or this or this. 
and you slowly start shrinking yourself and slowly start hanging out with those people less and less. Part of this isolation and control can also be consistently insisting that you spend time with them doing things they enjoy with people they like and it doesn't leave enough time for you to do what you like with your people and they don't ever offer to do things that you like with your people. Oh, we have we have to go to my friend's barbecue. I already told him we'd be there. If we don't go, if you if you don't show up, I'm going to look stupid. Uh, yeah, I know it's your friend's birthday, but we already made these plans. I'm going to look stupid. You're going to make me look stupid. And it's just kind of those little things that start building and start pulling you more and more into their world and leaving you with fewer and fewer supports as you slowly fade out of your friends' lives. Uh, or start bringing up those things with your friends. Like, hey girls, like you're being loud. That was never a problem before you started dating this man. And this is not to say that it can't be vice versa. Women can be just as narcissistic and abusive. But as per usual, I speak from kind of my own perspective of things and my own experience. But if your experience is switched, this is very gender neutral. I just use him because I have mostly female friends who are dating males and that kind of thing. This is not to say all men are like this or that women can't be like this. Um, but yes. The control and isolation starts very, very small and slowly builds over time. And these isolation tactics are often combined with those cycles of gaslighting and love bombing to a point where you're constantly feeling unsure of yourself. You don't know if your emotions or reactions are valid anymore. Um, you feel like you need that person to feed you those love and compliments and they give you that extra hit of dopamine when they do, especially after you've had such an emotional crash, after they've hit you or you've had a fight. You depend on that person to bring you back up out of it, even when they're the one that's crushing you down. So combining those isolation tactics with that gaslighting and love bombing really makes you feel like that person is your soulmate or twin flame and love is hard and I'm willing to fight for it. I'm a ride or die. But you don't feel connected to your friends and family anymore so you can't go to them when you feel like times are bad or you feel like they're going to judge you. And that is also one thing that manipulators can put into their victim's mind is you think so-and-so is going to believe you? I have been nothing but nice to that person. They are going to call you crazy. They're going to say you're being unreasonable. They put these kind of thoughts in your brain that no one's going to believe you. No one's going to trust you. No one's going to be there for you because of all the times you canceled on them. Or because of all the times that this person did something for them. So, with that being kind of said, we're kind of hitting the end of this episode. This was a lot to kind of pile on you at once, but it has been heavy on my heart as I have had some friends go through some of this recently. So just kind of one point I want to end on is if your friends are in a new relationship especially, or with someone that just kind of gives you that uneasy feeling, reach out to that friend. Um, do your best to just make them 
know that you're there for them, even if they keep canceling on you, even if they don't answer your messages. They might be in such a deep hole kind of spot with this person. And that person may be being like, get off your phone. Who are you talking to? They may be policing that person. So try to not take it personally and just reach out to them and let them know that you're there for them. Ask them to hang out even if you know they're going to cancel. Um, try to recognize these patterns. If someone, if your friend is still talking to you, if they haven't reached that point of isolation yet, if you're recognizing these cycles of gaslighting and abuse followed by love bombing, um, talk with them about it, but don't take it personally if they don't see it the way you do. Because when you're in that, you're being slowly worn down and kind of love blind to all of these red flags. Um, so yeah, just be there for them. Try to talk to them. Try to not hold it against them if they stay longer than you think you would. With that, all of that being said, thank you so much for tuning in this week. I hope you have a wonderful week and a wonderful weekend. Happy belated Easter. And I can't wait to talk to you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Bye.